Welcome to Behind the Bookshelves. My name is Richard Davis and this Abe Books podcast is dedicated to telling the stories behind books and the people who love them. Today we're continuing to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Abe Books by interviewing sellers who joined our website in 1996, the first year of our existence. Today we're speaking to Vic Zuzak, who runs Tavistock Books in Alameda, California. Tavistock Books was established in 1989. The firm moved to its present location on Webster Street in 1997. Vic's specialities include Charles Dickens, children's serial fiction and the history of nursing. Vic is a prominent member of the Antiquarian Booksellers Association of America, IOBA, the Independent Online Booksellers Association, and bookish organizations like the Grolia Club, and the Book Club of California. Welcome, Vic. Thank you, Richard. It's nice to be here with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, wow, more than 30 years in the book trade. So perhaps you could start by telling us how did your career in book selling begin? Well, um, I had a prior career in the U.S. Coast Guard, um, and that's an upper out system. So I knew I was going to be needing another career at some point in my life, uh, 40s, early 50s, maybe. And while in San Francisco one year, I was in a bookshop, no longer extant, that uh, I bought a little book for $40 less trade discount of 20% for 32. It turned out to be the second book by Peter Parley very rare, and I sold it to an institution for $1,250. I said, hey, this is pretty cool. I wouldn't mind doing this for a living. And that was 30-some years ago, and here I am. Did you have an inkling that that book was more valuable than the seller was asking, or were you lucky? Well, a a little both, actually. I mean, I, I looked at it, and I thought, you know, this is a book from the early 19th century, it's got to be worth more than $32. And, and once I researched it and found um, the, at the time, the pre- premier institution that had P- Peter Parley titles did not own it. I thought, hey, this is pretty cool. I can make some money on this. And I did. And that first career, if we step back a second, uh, you were a pilot. Was was that correct? Is that correct? I, I was. I was a search and rescue pilot for the U.S. Coast Guard. Um, I went through the Coast Guard Academy, and uh, while the Academy graduates usually do a tour at sea, uh, which I did uh, upon graduation, I, I found being at sea really wasn't for me. And um, one time while at sea, uh, an H-3 helicopter came out to my vessel to pick up an injured seaman. And as I looked upon this helicopter picking up this fellow that had injured his leg and was flying back to St. Petersburg to take him to a hospital, I thought, you know, those pilots are going to go back and they're going to have a beer tonight. And I got in 28 days of bouncing around the Gulf of Mexico. Not something I really want to do. So when I got back off that patrol, I put in for flight school and um, subsequently became an aviator in the Coast Guard and um, never went to sea again for the most part. 
How does it compare being a pilot to selling rare books? Well, I mean, it's two different experiences, totally. Um, as a search and rescue pilot, one of my cocktail taglines is I've got more lives rescued than many physicians. But um, I found when I got into the book trade, I found my peeps. So I'm happy where I'm at. Simple as that. Simple as that. Okay. So when I looked at your website this week, there's a little message saying you intend to pursue a semi-retired lifestyle. Uh, what will this involve? Well, um, as I implied in that message, I no longer want a man a shop eight hours a day. So what, as a result of COVID and, and all the stresses and everything that's put on, that has been put on by that pandemic, um, I found I like to have a little more time for myself. And so I'm in the shop still six days a week, 10 to three, but um, come home a bit early, have a beer, glass of wine, read a book instead of catalog a book, and um, spend more time with my family and my dogs and just enjoying life, as it were. So books will still be a part of your life. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, um, they're never not going to be. It's just the degree to which I've devoted to them is going to decrease somewhat. Okay. And the shop, will it remain open in a different format or is that going to go away? No, I, actually, I have a sign on the door that now says close to the public. Um, right. I've always been a shop that's antiquarian in nature, but Alameda, California it is not a location that supports an antiquarian bookshop. Um, I rarely, since I've been there in 1997, had someone walk in the door and buy something that paid my rent for the month. Whereas colleagues I, I know on Union Square, that happens routinely. So I've closed to the public and I'm focused on an online business where I can quote to customers I know that uh, I have things that fit their collection interests and we'll go from there. Now, one of your specialities um, is Charles Dickens. And I've always wondered about how you came to be so interested in in Dickens and his work. What What has drawn you to to that author and his books? Uh, interesting question, Richard. Um, back in the 80s, when I lived in Sacramento, um, I, I was a member of a book club. And one of the books we read was Pickwick Papers. Um, to be quite honest, not Dickens' best effort, but it was his first effort, and it was credible. And it it sold like hotcakes during the time. This was um, the 1830s, late 1830s. He came out in 1836, 37, as I recall. And while on a summer vacation in that 1986, as my summer vacation souvenir, while in Vancouver, British Columbia, I bought a first edition of Charles Dickens' Pickwick Papers. And I thought that was so cool. In fact, I still own it. I mean, I've since dispersed my Dickens collection, but I still have that book that started it all. I got back and I got into, well, this is an antiquarian book. What does that mean? Um, 
can I buy other first editions of Dickens? And before you know it, I had a very credible Dickens collection. But when I opened my shop in 97, I used that as the seed for my Dickens corner. And now I'm back to just that one copy of Pickwick Papers. Right. I mean, he's a, an interesting character from some of the things that he did. It was almost like a modern day author, how he toured and spoke and took himself out to meet the people. Um, Very much so. Many, many facets to his character that must interest you. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I'm now reading Ian Wilson's uh, award-winning novel on Dickens, and it's just amazing. The man had so many facets to his character that um, uh, most of us can't comprehend that today. We know him as an author, but he was also quite an accomplished actor, um, et cetera, et cetera. He, he was a very, very accomplished individual. One thing I've always noticed um as Christmas approaches on Ape Books is how mm. uh, first or second editions of A Christmas Carol seem to sell seasonally. All editions, all editions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In that first week of December, almost as if someone's rushing to buy it as a Christmas I, I present. Know. I, I get a half a dozen to a dozen calls looking for a copy. And if I have any, they sell. Um you know, he's Mr. Christmas. I mean, that's the way it is. And so people want that as a testament to the holiday. Indeed, it's probably, the, well, the ultimate Christmas book, I think. Can't beat it. it. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. All right. Um, so you, you were indeed one of the first uh, group of booksellers to come on Ape Books. You, you joined us in 1996, and I, I've interviewed mm-hmm. a few other sellers, um, and I asked them the same question. What can you remember about online bookselling in 1996? What was happening? What was it? What was the feelings you had about it at the time and your first experiences? Well, um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, of course, that's 25 years ago, so memories fade, but uh, I remember selling some things on, I think it was Prodigy, or a bulletin board or something. And then at, at a book, a very small regional book fairs in Oregon, and I forget exactly what town, I remember being approached by Rick Pura about this online database where you could list your books and, you know, we would, we would put them out there for you. And, and I gave it some thought and then ended up signing up. Um, never sorry that I did. It's been uh, a, a very great symbiotic relationship between the two of us. You sell a lot of books for my uh, for my firm, and and I'm glad to support you in whatever fashion I can as an individual bookseller, individual subscriber of ABE Books. Thank you. So Rick, for our listeners' benefit, was one of the four founders of A Books. Um, Rick and his wife Vivian were one half, one couple, and then Kathy and Keith Waters were the other couple. Right. And it was Kathy who had the the bookstore in Victoria who was having all the problems um, finding the books for her customers. And it was her her catalog that was the first Ape Books catalog. The contents. Oh, fantastic. Show. Good to know. Keep this history. I mean, it, 100 years from now, people want to know how all this came about. You know, and and, uh, we need to know. So write it down somewhere. So when Rick said a searchable online database, did you get what he was talking about? 
But I sort of did because um, I'd been on, like I say, Prodigy, and I, I, I figured out what he was talking about. And I said, well, if he can get it out there and he can advertise, I mean, that's the key, get it out there so people know about it and can use it and uh, employ it, then this will be great. And so I said, I'm willing to give this a try. And like we know, that was 25 years ago. So going strong. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Know? Still going strong. Yeah. Time does fly. Um, it does. Yeah. See, I mean, you have had a, uh, are still having a, you know, a long and fruitful career, career in book selling. So you, you must have traveled the world, I'm guessing. Um, the, the career has taken you probably much further than flying did in terms of traveling the world. Well, absolutely. Uh, as part of the ABAA, uh, I am a member of iLab, the International League of Antiquarian Booksellers. And iLab has events around the world. Uh, every two years, they have something known as a Congress. And uh, that Congress has taken me to Paris. It's taken me to um, somewhere in Georgia. We're, oh, Tbilisi, Georgia. Next year, it's going to take, or the later, yeah, 2022, it's going to take me back to London. Of course, I've been to London a number of times uh, for other reasons, uh, books being one of them. But my wife grew up in London, so we have friends and colleagues there that we like to go see. So, yes, I, the book trade has taken me around the world, though I confess I'm, I'm not a world traveler in that context. I, uh, I, I'm quite happy to stay local and 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 not get on a plane, especially these days. Right. Yeah. Um, so you must have seen some remarkable books, handled some remarkable books. Perhaps there's, for instance, is is there a particular Charles Dickens book that you've maybe handled or sold or seen that particularly is memorable to you? Well, I, I've handled a few nice things, uh, but to be honest, the, the Dickens thing that I handled that I'm I, I'm most fond of was an artifact, came out of his household. Uh, it, it was one of those silver, all silver, uh, like toast holders or something, but it was documented with a note by Georgina Hogarth, who was in his household, that this came out of the household of Charles Dickens. And, and to me, that's the thing, because I know Dickens used that every morning at his breakfast. So it was a toast rack. Yeah, yeah, there you go, a toast rack. So I, for a moment, it, it sold rather quickly. I, for a moment, owned Dickens' sterling silver toast rack. And now it's with a customer of mine, and at least I presume he still has it. But that, to me, was the most exciting thing, because it had that connection, that temporal connection. Dickens used this. Whereas have I had books from his library and everything, it's not, you know, the connection isn't quite as solid yeah. as with that thing that came from his house that sat on his breakfast table. Yeah, I understand that. Uh, John Windle in, in San Francisco showed me a sure. uh, John Steinbeck letter, and I was scared to touch it. It was, it was sure. Like he took few minutes to write that message to whatever it was sure. and here yeah, it is it's, yeah. it just seems yeah. slightly yeah. surreal when you see it there and you think this is a legend of literature created this sure yeah sure i mean i've handled letters too but still that one artifact 
comes back to me is you, when you ask, what sticks out in your mind? It's, it's this particular item. My, fi- my final question, Vic, is um, sure. what book or books are you currently reading? So we ask this to everyone. <laughs> and it's always interesting to hear what people, um, what people are reading. Well, uh, I'll confess. I, I, I read a lot of classics, and I've read most of Dickens' canon. But currently, I'm, I'm hearkening back to my teenage days. When I was a teenager, I, I read copious, copious amounts of science fiction in all the classics. In. And now I, I'm reading more science fiction. I'm in the middle of a space opera. And if you'll give me a second, I'll tell you who it is. It's, I'm reading, I'll confess, Richard, I'm reading on my iPhone at the moment. Uh, don't hate me because of that. But I find it really convenient, like I, w- I was in, in a line today at the local deli. And so while I'm in line waiting for my sandwich to be made, I was able to read on my, my uh, iPhone this, this particular. It's called Pursuit of the Bold by uh, Jamie McFarlane. It's number 13 in his Privateer Tales series. So I, I like space operas. That's what I read for um, uh, relaxation, if you will, and to get away from, from the real world. So what's the definition of a space opera? So it's science fiction where it's like a soap opera? Well, no, no. It, it, it's more of a series of books where you can't tell it all in one novel. You tell the entire tale in a series of novels. And this one so far is 14, 15, 16 novels. They're all complete in and of themselves. But the characters, are, it's sort of like a... Uh, a series on television where each 40-minute segment is complete to itself, but you have a, a, a tale that's told over the course of a season or two seasons or three seasons. This right. space opera is the same way. It's told in a series of novels, and this one is 13, 14, 15 novels long. I'm not quite sure. I haven't hit the end yet. Right. I'd so, be sad when I do. <laughs> it would be ideal for Netflix, I would have thought. That's how they go well, now. Possibly. I, I, I mean, um, there have been that have gone to Netflix. So what's the one, the, uh, uh, it, the expanse that was a series of books. And so your plans are to read more. Now you're going to make time in the evening and not catalog. That's correct. I I'm, I'm doing well enough now that with my reduced hours that, I, I would rather spend more time reading books than cataloging. Right. Yeah, I haven't read a lot of science fiction in recent years. I read it when I was younger, but now it seems too too real, too too close to what is going to be happening or is happening. Well, in this particular series that I'm talking about, won't happen no. for a while. <laughs> no. <laughs> So, Vic, thank you so much for selling with us for 25 years. Richard, it's been a true pleasure. Uh, I look forward to another 25, should I live long enough. I'm sure you will. Uh, Vic (laughs) is the owner of Tavistock Books in Alameda, California. Thanks for listening. My name is Richard Davis, and you've been listening to an Abe Books podcast. And we'll see you all again soon.